Good morning. We have several visitors among us this morning. I want you to know that you are our honored guest. And I want you to know at Valley View from this pulpit, you'll hear the best sermons ever. The most dedicated preacher, the most riveting. If you doubt that, you come back next week and you'll hear him. Spencer told me, he, he texted me a few weeks ago and he said, I'm going to be out of town on April the 14th. Would you preach on Sunday mornings? I texted him back and I said, yes, but are we that desperate? He texted me back four little words. Yes, yes we are. <laughs> so, uh, if it don't go so well this morning for you, y'all can just blame the preacher when he gets back next week. But uh, I am glad that we've got visitors. I'm glad you've come our way. And uh, I promise you, you won't be disappointed with Spencer's preaching and you won't be disappointed with this church. It's a group of people that love the Lord, love one another. And we do what we can to encourage and lift one another up and to see that we live our lives faithful to God. It is good to see everybody this morning. Years ago, probably 25 years ago, I was running my sales route up through the boot hill of Missouri. And I went to a little school, and this school had a new superintendent. And in my line of work, in order to make a sale, you've got to find the decision maker. And as in a lot of little schools, the superintendent is the decision maker. I didn't know the man, I'd never met him because he had just started that summer. So I'm going by and I'm making calls and asking for the man and the secretary is, no, he's not here. No, he's not available. Well, in sales, you get used to that. So I went in one day. The secretary sitting in her office. There's a man sitting across from her. And I said, you know, is the superintendent available? And she cut her eyes real quick at the man sitting in the chair. The secretary didn't even answer. The man stood up and said, well, I'm the superintendent. What can I do for you? So I told him what I was doing. He says, come on back to my office. We go back to his office. He shuts the door. And he sits down and he says, okay, so what, what do you offer? What are you doing? And I go through my spill about selling the janitorial and the cleaning supplies and all of this stuff. And he says, do you have any bug killer? Well, yes, sir, we do happen to have bug killer. And he said, if I buy two cases of bug killer, what's in it for me? What's in it for you? That, that sounds a little... I said, well, there's six gallons to a case, so if you buy two cases, you get 12 gallons of bug killer. And then he looks at me and he says, no, what's in it for me personally if I buy two cases from you? I'd never been put in this situation. I'd heard about these situations. I've never been put in this situation. And I looked at him and I said, sir you get two cases of really good bug killer and that's all you get. That's the only way that we do business. He reaches under his desk and he pulls out a newspaper and he flops it down and he says, well, good. The headline to the newspaper read, school officials arrested for accepting bribes. And he said, this school is full of supplies stacked in closets that we don't know what it is, we don't know where it come from, and I'm trying to figure out who it was that was putting all of this stuff in here. 
I thought, well, that's a pretty smart superintendent. He said, go ahead and send me that two cases of bug killer. I said, great. Man would never see me again. Ever. He was there for two years and then he moved on. But in that two-year time, that man would never let me in his office again. So I've often wondered what would have happened if I had said, hey, I've got something for you. If I went to you today and I asked you, why are you a Christian? Probably the answer you would give would be the same answer that I would give if somebody just randomly come up to me and said, hey, why are you a Christian? And I would say something like this, because when I die, I want to go to heaven. God's promised me a home in heaven. No tears in heaven. Life is going to be great. No sorrow, no death, no pain. I want to go to heaven. And so therefore, that's why I'm a Christian. When you answer in that way, I have a question for you and for me. Why do we treat Christianity like a retirement program? Why is it that when we think of our Christianity, we think of our walk with God, that we think that the only advantage to being a Christian is something that I get at the end of life. That's the last thing I get. It's, it's that insurance policy, if you will. And that's my Christian faith. It's, it's that retirement program. I think sometimes as Christians, I know in my own life, I've been guilty of thinking that away, of thinking that you know, the, the number one reason that I'm a Christian is because I want that reward of heaven. And that is promised to us. And that is part of our Christian walk. And that is part of what God has told us He'll do for us. But there is so much more to being a Christian. What's in it for you? What's in it for you today? As I started putting this all together and I started thinking about this, I came up with like 30 things that I could think of that as Christians, we benefit today. Unfortunately, I didn't write all 30 of them down. I've only written five. So uh, we're not going to be getting too late for supper. Lunch, supper, whichever one. I'll shut up after a while. What are some of the advantages that we, en we enjoy each and every day when we live our lives as Christians. In, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, the Bible reads, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What does that mean to us? There is therefore no condemnation. We are saved. We have the knowledge, we have the comfort, we have the, the life knowing that we are where we want to be. Kids, have you ever had your homework done well before class, well before school starts? How does that make you feel when you know that you've got it and you've got it done? How does it make you feel... Parents, when you've got a job that's to be done, your boss has given you this, sometimes your wife has given you this, and you've got this done, and it's completed, and you know it, how does it make you feel to know that I have that, and I have that taken care of? It's coming up, but I've got it taken care of. I don't have to think about it. That should be 
a comfort to us as Christians. I think that probably what robs us the most of that comfort is when we struggle in our faith. Sometimes I'm trying to be a Christian. I go to church. I do the things I'm supposed to do. But then sometimes I fail and I mess up. And now what am I supposed to do now? Well, the Bible reads in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 20 that if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, for God knows all things. Now, let me explain that verse just a little bit. My heart condemns me because I know what I'm supposed to be doing and I didn't do it. And it bothers me that I didn't do what I knew I was supposed to do. But God knows what I want to do. God knows the intent of my heart. God knows that when I get up, I don't get up with the desire to do evil. When I walk my daily walk, I'm trying to do what's right, but sometimes I mess up and I fall. When we do that, God knows our heart. Does that not bring any comfort to you? We should have a joy within us knowing that we are right with our Creator every day that we get up and live a faithful life to Him. There's a comfort that comes from that. Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We have the right to call the Creator of the universe our Father. Do you know what that means? Parents, your children look at you and they refer to you as mom and as dad. What would it take for them to do? What would they have to do before you would no longer claim them as a son or a daughter? I have two boys. My boys are as perfect as anybody that's ever graced the earth one step below Jesus. That's how I feel about my boys. I mean, you know, now you know them and you know they're not perfect and they make mistakes. I mean, that's all true. But in my life, when I look at my sons, I elevate them probably a little higher than they should be because they're my sons. Do they do wrong? They have made many of mistakes in life. But they've never made a mistake that was so drastic that I was ready to throw them overboard and say, I don't know you, you're not my son. As Christians, when we live a Christian life, when we get up and we strive to do what is right, that's where we are at with God. No quicker than a parent would disown a child because they've made a mistake, would God disown me because I have made a mistake. Doesn't that bring you some joy? Doesn't that bring some kind of comfort to you? That you're not going to lose that sonship because you've made a mistake? The Bible tells us that when we confess our sins, that He is just and quick to forgive us of our sins. God doesn't want to hold that against us. He wants us to ask His forgiveness, and He will readily forgive us. This is a blessing that we have every day, folks. This is something that we need to remember, and I think if we can't, it will make us better in our Christian walk. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God that passes understanding 
shall keep your hearts and mind through Jesus Christ. John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Christians have a peace and a comfort that the world does not have and the world cannot offer. When we live our lives faithful to God, we should have a peace. Number one, we know that we're right with our Maker. We accept and understand that we are a child of God. The world cannot take that away from us. There's nothing they can do that can make you not be a child of God. As long as you choose to be faithful, you're His. When life turns ugly, and it will, how do you get through it? What peace do you find when things fall apart? When you endure death in your family? When you endure disease and sickness and heartache and calamity? When divorce happens? When financial ruin happens? How do you get through these things? What is it that we find? We should know that in the end, our God is going to take care of us regardless. I'm never going to go hungry. I'm never going to go without something to wear. I'm not going to go without a roof over my head. And I know that and I believe that because that's a promise that God has given each one of us when we live our lives as He wants us to live. We should have a peace in that. We draw comfort even in the most untimely and the most heart-wrenching deaths that can happen, and we've had them in this congregation. When those things happen, we still can draw peace because we know we will see them again. We should be comfortable in our peace. I grew up in a big family. And there were times where we would struggle. And I knew just enough to know that things was really tight and there was, there was problems. And I can remember as a very small child, I would ask my mom, is it going to be okay? And my mother would tell me, it's going to be alright. Things will work out. I don't know how, but things will work out. And you know what? They always did. When you do what you're supposed to do, things will work out. That's a promise from God. That's peace that we have. And we should never sell that short. We should never try to minimize the peace and the promise that God is giving us. So much of our peace is robbed when we chase after things of the world and we're afraid that we're going to lose what the world has given us. We try to hang on to the riches of this world. We try to hang on to the promises and to the glory of this world. And then when we lose them, it just crashes us so hard. And we, we seem to lose heart and lose faith. It's not about the things of this world. Don't put your peace and your comfort in the things of this world. 
If you do, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed greatly when we put our peace in the things of the world. 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things which are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. Does it mean anything to you to think that you have the ear of God? In our society today, people like to claim connections to other people. Well, you know, he's a personal friend of mine, and uh, you know, I, can, I can talk to him for you, and I'll see if we can help you with that job or with that, with that loan or with that, that position. Whatever it is in life, we... We look for people who have that connection. As Christians, we have that connection. We have the power of prayer at our beck and call. And our God hears us. He hears every prayer that you utter. A couple of weeks ago, Spencer had a lesson about when God is silent. And there are times when we pray to God that God is going to be silent. That does not mean He did not hear us. Usually one of two things is happening. He's testing us, or we're asking for something that we don't need. Many times in our lives we ask God to give us things that we really don't need. You ever heard people talk about praying to win the lottery? Praying for that promotion? Praying for that big job that pays so much money? What if winning that lottery, getting that promotion, getting that advance that you're looking so much for, what if that is something that takes you away from God? And God knows if he gets this, if she gets this, then that's going to be an obstacle in them serving me. If that's the case, then God, don't give it to me. Don't answer my prayer the way I'm asking it, because sometimes I might ask for something that I don't need. I don't want anything given to me that might take me away from God. Well, what about the times when we suffer? What about the time when hardship comes and sadness comes and, and struggles come? And we pray to God and God is silent. You ever think about the fact that maybe that struggle is drawing you closer to God? I seem to pray a little more when I'm struggling. When life gets hard and when things aren't going my way, I have a tendency to study and to pray a little bit more. Would God let me endure that situation? Would He put me in that situation if it was something that He saw I needed so it would drive me closer to Him? If it is, 
Now let's be joyful in those sorrows. I think when we look for that peace, that we can find it in those sorrows if we are willing to realize that maybe this suffering that I'm going through is something that God is having me to do because it's driving me closer to Him. Folks, that's what I want. I want to be closer to my God. I want to be more pleasing to God. I want to do what is right. It's truly the best life. 1 Peter 3, 7, He tells us to cast all of our cares upon Him because He cares for us. He tells us, you give it to me. What is your struggle? You give it to me, and I'm going to take care of it for you. We give it to Him, and then we complain if He doesn't answer the way we think it should be answered. Sometimes we act like children. But that's okay because He is our Father and He understands what it is that we need. But folks, we have the ear of the Creator. We can talk to Him and He will answer us. And He does that with all of our prayers. Sometimes that answer is a no. Sometimes that answer is, I'm not going to do that because you need to be closer to me. One of the other greatest blessings, I think, as Christians that we enjoy today and that we have, and, and sometimes I think we might take it for granted, and it was read momentarily a few moments ago, and that is in Ephesians chapter 3 when we read, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant us according to the riches of His glories to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. We're a family. Do you realize that? When you're a Christian, you are part of a family. You are part of this group of believers. Not only a part of the group of believers that meet here, but you are a part of the believers worldwide. You ever been traveling? And you go into church on Sunday? You find this little church, it's local church of Christ. You go in. How do you feel when you enter those doors? I feel like they're family. I just hadn't met them. There's a comfort that comes in walking in the doors of the church even though we may not know a person in that building. They're my family. We are a family here at Valley View. We come together to do for one another. We love one another. I come from a big family. I have five brothers and five sisters. When my family gets together right now, there is over 70 of us. You know what we do? We fuss. We fight. Sometimes we argue. Sometimes we hurt one another's feelings. 
Sometimes we even talk a little bit about one another because somebody took something that was a sentimental keepsake that doesn't amount to anything, but it went to her, and I think it should have went to him, or maybe I should have got it. And you know what? Sometimes we just don't like each other. I got a couple of sister-in-laws I don't even like. That's okay. They don't like me either. (laughs) We're family. But you know what? You let any one of us truly need something. And you watch the rest of us respond. Any pettiness that we might have goes out the window in a heartbeat when a need arises. As Christians, that's what we have. That's the joy that we have when we come together. We pray for one another. We console one another. We encourage one another. We provide for one another. We confess our sins to one another. We are family. And God has established the church as Christians for us to be a part of this. And we come together, sometimes in our ugliness. There was a person one time that visited our assembly. They'd been here a couple of weeks. They left, they caught me in the lobby, and they said, I'm never coming back. This is the most cold, rude, harsh place I've ever attended church. And I happen to know this person from years past, and maybe I stepped out of line a little bit, I don't think I did. But I looked at him and I said, you've come in the back door for the last three weeks. You've sat on the very back row with your arms folded. You don't speak to anybody and you are the first one out the door to the parking lot. How are we going to get to know you? Folks, there's opportunities in this church to be involved. If you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, well, you know, you're saying this is family and you're saying that we do for one another and I just kind of feel a little bit like an outsider or or I'm alone here in this assembly. Part of the responsibility lies with you to let us know. Are you going to Bible class? I don't get to know too many folks sitting out here in this auditorium. I get to know a lot of folks in Bible class. Are you speaking to people? When people speak to you, did you do more than smile and nod? We want to get to know you. We want you to be a part of this family. But you've got to help us just a little bit. Sometimes we hurt one another. But that's okay. Because as Christians, we're going to forgive one another. And we're going to do things like God wants us to do. Folks, there are so many ways that we are blessed as children of God. One of the things that I see a lot in society, if a man has a new house, he has a new car, he's got a big bank account, what do we say about that man? We'll look at that man and say, that man's blessed. We look at someone that maybe is not living in a new house, maybe not driving a new car. Maybe there's a little too much month at the end of the money. Is that person not blessed? 
equally? I think the person that struggles may be blessed a little bit more than the one that has all the riches of the world. I don't want anything, I don't want any, anything the world has to offer me if it gets in the way of my faith, if it drags me away from God. How could we call someone blessed when they've got so much money they spend 30 weeks a year on vacation on the weekends? Away from God's people. That's not a blessing. That's a curse. And we need to be willing to look at it and recognize that blessings do not just come in the form of financial wealth and gain and status in this world. I don't care where you're at and where your struggle is in life today. You are blessed if you are a child of God trying to draw closer to Him. Trying to do what's right with Him. Folks, there's many blessings that we as Christians enjoy. Let's not take them for granted. Let's be mindful of the fact that being a Christian means something every day. Yeah, it's got a great retirement plan. But that's not the only reason that I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian today? Have you started your walk with God? Have you ever been baptized? To join the family? Acts 2 verse 47 tells us that God added to the church daily those that were being saved. You want to be added to His church, to His family? Put Him on in baptism. If you're here this morning, you're struggling, and you need some encouragement from this family, you need some encouragement in your daily walk, in your life, we want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to hold your hands up. We want you to be able to enjoy the blessings that God has given to you. If we can do anything for you at this time, would you come as we stand and as we sing? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open